Hi, my name is Gary Rich and I'm the senior editor at Soundings Magazine. Today I'm going to read a story about the iconic Chesapeake Bay Deadrise workboat. The name of the story is Deadrise Dreams. When Captain John Smith set about exploring Chesapeake Bay in 1608, he described the nearly 200 mile long estuary as having oysters that lay as thick as stones and also being loaded with sturgeon, grampus, porpoise, seals, stingrays, brits, mullets and rockfish, trout and soles, and perch of three different kinds. Smith also observed that the people of the region were adept at harvesting these bounties from the shallow, fruitful bay using dugout canoes that were hewn into a single piece by hand from felled trees. Remarkably, these simple but effective craft were the genesis of what would become one of the Chesapeake's most iconic and recognizable vessels, the Deadrise workboat. With a proud high bow, graceful shear line, salty wheelhouse, and expansive aft cockpit, the Chesapeake Bay Deadrise is a treat for the eyes. The design is so attractive and well-suited for the bay that boat builders now construct the craft using modern techniques and materials for near a group of recreational customers. How the design evolved over the last 100 years is an interesting story, and it begins with the boat's hull shape. According to Larry Chowning, author of Dead Rise and Crossplank, the design can be traced back to the log canoe of the 19th century, a long, slender vessel built by carving, shaping, and then bolting logs together to form a hull. Most of these boats were sail-driven, allowing watermen to expand their reach and tap into the oyster, crab, and fishing grounds farther afield. These vessels grew increasingly longer and at some point developed the design elements that would find their way into dead-rise workboats, including V-shaped sterns and bows. The V was ideal for contending with the Chesapeake's shallow, choppy waters, says Chowning. According to Pete Lesher, chief curator at the Chesapeake Bay Maritime Museum in St. Michaels, Maryland, by the late 1800s, the craft had grown in length to 50 feet. These sail-driven bug-eyes and skipjacks had some of the characteristics of a dead-rise hull, he says. That dead-rise, V-shaped bottom with a sharp bow begins to emerge in those boats. The next leap in design came in the early 20th century, when the internal combustion engine became a propulsion solution for workboats. You had to have a license to operate a steam-powered vessel, Lesher explains. From an economic standpoint, it wasn't a viable solution. So, small naphtha engines began finding their way into the boats. Instead of boiling water, you boil lighter fluid. Naphtha had a much lower boiling point than much lower pressures than steam, so you didn't need a steam engineer's license to operate it. Retrofitting long-bottom boats to install engines and get a propeller shaft through the hull was a challenge. The internal combustion engine created all kinds of problems for builders, says Chowning. Then the horn timber came along. In Virginia and Maryland, the shape was sort of like an S. They bolted the horn timber to the aft end of the keel, which gave an exit point for the shaft. This timber produces a concave stern shape. The horn timber and resulting stern shapes worked until engines became powerful enough to push these hulls to near planing speeds. As the boats moved faster through the water, the stern squatted, reducing performance. That's when builders began experimenting with different stern styles on deadrise workboats. One solution was a tuck stern, also known as a pot pie stern, Lesher says. The name comes from the way the aft ends of the boat are tucked up and out of the water on each side, 
which reduces drag at higher speeds. In the early 20th century, when log-bottom boats were losing favor and plank-on-frames were becoming more popular, workboats unique to specific regions began to emerge. One of them resembled the modern Deadrise workboat, the Hooper Island Drake Tail, which was also known as a dovetail. This long, slender boat was designed to move efficiently through the water using small 3-5 to five horsepower engines. The Drake Tail's hallmark was her long trailing stern, which had a rounded reverse transom. The boat was developed for trot lining for crabs and hand tonging for oysters. Since the naphthen gasoline engines were still relatively lackluster in the power department, the Drake Tail was conceived with efficiency in mind, says Lesher. The reverse stern adds additional buoyancy aft and it lengthens the waterline. Workboats built in Maryland and Virginia continue to evolve with the design cues pinned to specific areas on the bay. In Anne Arundel County, Maryland, you get a peculiar style of dead rise that is open in the center with a low cutty ford and a house in the stern, Lesher says. There are workboats with a standard round stern, which we identify with builders from Deltaville, Virginia. And there's the diamond stern, or V-stern, that was centered around the coast of Virginia. The V was an adaptation created by oystermen in the area, who often anchored their boats from the stern, which acted as a wave-breaking device. Another dead-rise design is the Tangier and Smith Island scrape boat. It pulls toothless dredges across the eelgrass flats to harvest peeler crabs, blue crabs that are close to shedding their shell and used for the soft crab market. This boat is built with an extremely shallow draft for the skinny waters where the crabs hide, has broad washboards for hauling aboard the dredges and sorting crabs, and features low freeboard with a shear line that appears to kiss the water. It's an outstanding example of a dead-rise workboat adapted to a region and fishery. Fiberglass roared onto the scene in the 1950s, but workboat builders were slow to adopt this new material. The watermen hung onto their wood boats for a long time, for a couple of reasons, Lesher says. Wood boats can be upgraded and repaired almost indefinitely with proper care, which is a more economically feasible solution than buying a new fiberglass hull. Keeping a boat and repairing it just made more sense for a lot of watermen. Today, there are only a handful of workboat builders on the Chesapeake who still produce wooden craft. Among them are John Kinneman on Tillman Island and a few others scattered around the bay. Still, fiberglass workboats based on time-tested wooden deadrise designs began appearing around the early 1970s. There were three pioneers in Virginia, Hulls Unlimited East of Deltaville, Gloucester Marine of Clay Bank, and Glass Marine of Hayes. Early fiberglass workboat builders in Maryland included Chesapeake Marine Industries of Trapp and Eugene Evans of Crisfield. Chowning says a new material, developed in Louisiana in 1972, revolutionized fiberglass workboat construction. Seaflex consisted of continuous fiberglass rods that ran parallel to each other, woven in a 12-inch wide piece of cloth. Rolls of this material could be used as planking over a form, like the frames and keels used in wood boats. And it also eliminated the expensive tooling costs that were previously prohibitive. Harry White of Rock Hall, Joe Kite of Smith Island, and Albert Thomas of Solomon's Island were innovators in Seaflex construction. Some boat builders leaned into building lines of molded fiberglass deadrise workboat hulls, such as Ronnie Carmen of Marion Station, Maryland, who offered 27, 32, 36, and 46 foot hulls. 
Also on the scene was Cecil Robbins, who worked with fiberglass workboat godfather Glenn Manning to build fiberglass Dead Rise Halls, and Robert Meekins, who with Manning designed and built one of the most recognizable fiberglass Dead Rise boats on the bay today, a boat generically known as the Markley 46. These hulls were often finished off at the Markley Yard near Baltimore, hence the name. Some of the Carmen molds ended up at Dave Mason's Chesapeake Boats in Crisfield, Maryland, while the 22, 29, and 40-foot Robbins molds ended up at Matthews Brothers in Denton, Maryland. The Markley 46 and Carmen 32 molds traveled around a bit, but today are housed at Composite Yacht, which builds an expansive line of dead rise and sport fishing boats at its facility in Trap, Maryland. Other dead rise style builders include Judd Yachts of Denton and Elsie Boats in Cambridge, Maryland. At Composite Yacht, a different kind of dead rise style hull is taking shape. The new Composite Yacht 55, slated to launch later this year, is not built on a traditional dead rise hull, but it was inspired by the look of traditional Chesapeake working boats. Designed by naval architect Lou Cadiga, the CY-55 is being built for an owner who loves the dead rise look, but also wants a serious turn of speed. We've got an owner who loves dead rise boats, but wants to go really fast, says Composite Yachts' Rob Hardy. The build gives us the opportunity to use some materials and technologies that we're really excited about. I can't talk speed or performance numbers yet, but let's just say that fast is going to be an understatement. Everything we've done during the design and build has been aimed at a specific speed goal. The boat's sport fish style, carbon fiber hull, and cord carbon fiber deck and cabin house have the elements of the traditional dead rise look. The boat would likely be twice as heavy if we'd gone with traditional fiberglass layup, Kadiga says, but we have the opportunity with this owner to really push the limits. To get the speed the customer demands, Kadiga had to design the hull much like a sport fish yacht and use carbon fiber laminates in its construction. Its structural weight is actually less than that of a Regulator 41, Kadiga says. We would probably be twice as heavy if we used traditional fiberglass construction. While the boat rides on a modern deep V hull pushed by massive, twin, 1900 horsepower manned diesels, everything about its looks above the shear line was drawn with dead rise design cues. That little trunk cabin up forward, really we don't need it, says Kadiga, but that's kind of a key styling thing with the dead rise. The long hardtop is kind of a yachty dead rise thing. The fashion plate, or sailboard as they call it, works into the hardtop and provides the kind of streamlined dead rise look we're trying for. The three pane windshield, that's a dead rise cue. They're not flat panels, but they're relatively flat triple panes. Other builders on the bay have taken inspiration from the dead rise workboat to design recreational craft. Tom Weaver and Mick Price of Eastport Yacht Company used their combined creativity to produce the Eastport 32, a handsome boat with dead rise DNA. Though its tailgate stern, below decks accommodations, and optional outboard power do not line up with the classic dead rise design, the Eastport 32's lines do have an authentic workboat feel. The elements of the dead rise that we used in the Eastport 32, which differs from the down east and lobster boat designs, are numerous, Weaver says. The low freeboard aft was a feature for oystermen and crabbers using trot lines. The low dead-rised aft is typical of bay workboats as it creates a stable platform for hauling crab pots and tonging or dredging oysters. These features create a boat that is stable and friendly with the family on board and when fishing. The large hardtop, 
often used on dead-rise workboats to stack crab pots and fishing gear, provides protection from the elements. The Sporty Eastport 32 is most often powered with twin 260 horsepower Volvo Penta diesels that provide a top end speed of 32 knots and a 25 knot cruise. This gives the boat a range of approximately 400 miles. It draws only 1 foot 10 inches and has a sharp entry for the short, steep chop that Chesapeake Bay is known for. Composite construction is used throughout. Though fish, oyster, and crab fisheries have declined significantly in the last 100 years, the Chesapeake Bay Dead Rise, whether constructed from wood or fiberglass, is still the preferred tool of trade for watermen making a living on the bay. And with a growing recreational following, the Dead Rise design is likely to be around in some form or other for many decades to come.